praise indeed. If you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, page 827 in one pew Bible, 947 in the other, we're going to read Ephesians 2, actually verse 1 through 10. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedient, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. This is the word of God. And what do we know about the word of God? Indeed, O Lord, your word is forever. Help us, Lord, to grasp it, to hold on to it, and to make it our own. Teach us from it, lift us high with it, and it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Hi-ho, silver, and away! In a speed of light, in a cloud of dust... And a hearty high-ho silver, the Lone Ranger rides again. I was the Lone Ranger. I had the boots, the mask, the hat, the whole thing. I loved the Lone Ranger. I, when I got kids, I couldn't wait to watch the Lone Ranger. When he wouldn't come on anymore with the whatever the cartoon hour, I bought the tapes. And to their demise, we watched the Lone Ranger. I had a Lone Ranger birthday party. I was indeed the Lone Ranger. But even as a young child, I knew the Lone Ranger wasn't alone. He had his trusty sidekick, Tonto. And even though the Lone Ranger took a lot of credit for always getting himself out of the jam, it was usually Tonto that saved the day. And so when we come to the five solas, I get a little confused. Scripture alone. Well, then why are there five? <laughs> but what we know is that this is a doctrine developed by the Redeemer, by the Reformers, in order to explain the salvation of God in His providence and sovereignty. So they created five, and that's the way we explain them. Scripture alone, faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone, to God's glory alone. 
The scripture was to override the tradition. The faith was to be clear that it was by faith and not our works. Christ is the mediator between God and men, and there is no other. It's all for God's glory, and for um, even though it involves our salvation, it is all to glorify Him, and that grace is not a merit. It saves. Christ, it's by Christ's merit and not yours. God is the actor. You are not. And so, having this doctrine from the time of the Reformers, and knowing that I'm supposed to just be the holiday preacher, I was very excited when they said, Come and preach on grace. But as I approached the word and saw the magnitude of the amount there, and as I realized the great men who had gone before and preached grace, it became to be in the distant, this mountain range. And as I got closer and closer and I walked up to it, I stood before this great wall of rock. And there it was before me, as high as I could almost see. I could see the marks of Spurgeon and Luther and Calvin and all these greats. And I became to be quite um, scared. How was little old me going to scale this cliff. Something made me start to climb. And so as I climbed, I got a little higher, and I looked down. And I could see a garden. And in that garden, I saw guilt. I saw two people that had eaten the fruit and they were ashamed because they were naked. And as we do, we put on our good stuff. They put on the best clothes they could find or make at the time. And, but they could not shake the guilt. and They could not shake the shame. By their very actions, they testify to it. And when they heard the God walking in the garden as he had already done with them each day before. They were so ashamed, they were so guilt-filled that they hid instead of running to him. And when he called out to them, and they, they answered them, and they said that that guilt and that shame had made them afraid of him, afraid of God. The guilt and the shame and the horror that had done there in that garden called for them to be expelled, spewed out of the garden of paradise, spewed out from before his presence. And I climbed on. I kept climbing. And I looked around the bend. I could see another mountain. And as the mountain came into view... I could see fire and thundering and smoke and lightning. And a great amount of people were at the base of it. And these people were 
people who had seen God act in a power that no one had ever seen before. They saw God bring them out of bondage from a nation that was the most powerful nation on earth. They saw God conquer that nation with plagues and supernatural wonders that the world had never seen before. They passed through the Red Sea on dry ground. And they received manna from heaven and water from a rock. Yet, the nakedness issue was still before them. They stood before God on this mountain and they trembled in fear. The world itself was quaking, but they were scared to death of God and did not even want to listen to him talk to them. Moses writes in Psalm 90, You turn man to destruction, and you say, Return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past. And like a watch in the night, you carry them away like a flood. And they are like a, like a sleep. In the morning, they are like grass which grows up. In the morning, it flourishes and grows up. And in the evening, it is cut down and withers. For we have been consumed by your anger. And by your wrath, we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finished our years like a sigh. In the days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long, and have compassion on your servants. O satisfy us early with your mercy that we may rejoice in the glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days in which you afflicted us, the years in which we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children, and let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. And so the thought continued. Through the judges, through the prophets, and through the kings. And I climbed on. Feeling as hopeless as these men who were waiting on God to act in a different way. Eaching a little higher I see some words scribbled on the rock from the apostle that Jesus loved. He testifies that Christ was indeed from the beginning. And he wrote these words on the rock, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father 
and was manifested, manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. And I write these things to you, that your joy may be full. You mean those that touched the mountain would die? Those that heard God speak couldn't bear it? And yet John testifies to a man that walked on this earth that he testifies was from the beginning and he heard him and yet lived? And he saw him and lived? And he looked upon him and lived? Indeed, more amazingly, John testifies his hands handled him. And what he should be testifying to me here on this slope is death. But no, he testifies to life. And not just life, eternal life. A life of fellowship and joy with the Father and the Son. And I climbed on. Suddenly, words jumped out at me, and I had to hold on to the rock. I wedged my hands in a crack because this news almost made me lose my grip. It was the apostle to the Gentiles who wrote these words, The Spirit of God dwells in you. God in me. If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through His Spirit who dwells in you. Amazing. I had to rest. The fear and nakedness is driven away. There is a spirit of adoption. He is my father. I am his child. And I am an heir with Christ. Life manifested. Life eternal. Life internal. And glorified forever. I decided to risk it. And look down. I realized that I had come quite a distance, but a distance further than I even knew. It was actually a great hole that I had descended from. It was deeper than anything that I had never, ever known or could imagine. It grew dark with the depth. And yet, there was this idea that there had to be judgment. But I, I remembered the words that the, the Son of Man Christ himself said, had come to seek and to save that which was lost. I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He did warn that there was a day that there would be judgment, but indeed he had come in a different manner to save. 
he had proved himself a righteous judge. The Father judges no one, he says, but he has committed all judgment to the Son. The Father has given him authority to execute judgment, but the day had not come yet. And my judgment, he said, will be righteous. And there is a day for men to die, and after that, the judgment will come. Indeed, that was a deep pit in which I had avoided and ascended from. But why didn't he stay? Why didn't Christ stay with us here so we could see him and hear him and handle him too? Well, we learn from John, his loved apostle, again. And when he told John, I must go away, it is better that I go away. Because when I go away, it will be to your advantage. And the helper will come to you. I will send him to you. And when he's come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the Helper comes, the Spirit of truth, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, and he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now I know why I could hear these things while clutched to the cliff. But he did not change to make these things happen. Something had to change. And in our verses we learn it is us. Ephesians 2. And he made, and he made you alive. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. And even when you were dead in your trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. By grace. Oh, it seems to be somewhat unfair that someone else would dispense the matter of grace. But our Lord and Savior taught us from the parable of the laborers who went out in the early morning and worked the full day and the laborers who went out in the third and the sixth and the ninth hours to work less of a day, yet they were all paid the same. They were all given the full portion of the denarius, and that is the way in which God dispenses His grace. It's according to His desires, and thank goodness we're not paid a wage, for the wage of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Why? Not for me, 
but for his sake. When God announced through Ezekiel the prophet of the coming of the New Testament, of the time when he would work in our hearts and souls, but for my holy name's sake, this is not for your sake, for you have profaned me among the nations, and I will sanctify my great name, which you profaned among the nations. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from your filthiness and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and keep my judgments and do them. You will dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will deliver you from uncleanliness. I will multiply the fruit of your trees and increase your fields. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good. And you will loathe in yourselves, in your own sight, for your iniquities and your abominations. Not for your sake do I do this, says the Lord, but for mine. That is not fair. Oh, Christian, if pride is swelling within you and you want to be the lone ranger, give it a rest. Job, one of the earliest written books in the Bible, in his passage in chapter 41, God gives an entire passage describing Leviathan. And God testifies that on earth there is nothing like him which is made without fear. He beholds every high thing. He is king over all the children of pride. Job amazes us with the story of the way in which his armor cannot be penetrated. And go ahead... God says, pick a fight with him, and you'll never forget it of all your days. There's no way to fight this creature. This creature has no fear of anything on earth. There is no higher pride than Leviathan. But God says, he cannot stand against me. I rule Leviathan. Suddenly, the mountain is oozing forth blood. At first, I panic because I think I'll lose my grip. But then the blood becomes thicker, begins to pour over me, and I realize that it's helping me hold tight. The face of the rock becomes covered with this blood. In Acts chapter 5, it says, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. God is exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. 
Ephesians 2.13 says, But you now in Christ Jesus, who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He is a Savior to forgive sins through His blood. His blood brings us before God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But you are being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a perpetuation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness. Because in His forbearance God had passed over sins which were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that He might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The blood rushes over me. Romans 4, 5 says, It is God who justifies the ungodly. It is by His power in Christ's blood that I am forgiven. The blood of the new covenant, Christ said, this is it. And it is for the remission of sins. Whoever drinks my blood has eternal life. My blood is drink indeed. Whoever drinks my blood abides with me. In Colossians we read, And by him he reconciled all things to himself, whether things on heaven whether things in earth having made peace through the blood of Christ. Oh, this blood that helps me fasten to the rock. Oh, how I can't even comprehend the ways of God. Yet we know for eternity that Christ's eyes will be like a flame of fire, and on his head there will be many crowns, and he had a name that no one knew except himself. He is clothed with a robe dripped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. I'm close to the crest. I finally have the boldness to look up. And I can see it. And what is that? Water. Water. Is all over me. It's just flowing freely through me. It's giving me a bath on the side of this cliff. And it's, I remember though, his side was pierced. And it was blood and water that poured forth. And this blood and water now mixes upon the face of the cliff of grace and on me. It is he who came by water and blood. He is the, from our Acts 5 passage, the prince to give repentance, the savior to give forgiveness. Indeed, it is not just a change to give life. It is a change in lifestyle. It is the prince upon me saying, to me, we are created in his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Your life is a testimony of this blood and this water and this cliff of which you are on. You shall become slave of righteousness. Present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit did you have then, of which you are now not ashamed of? For the end of those things is death. But you have been set free from sin. You become slaves of God, and you have your fruit to holiness and to the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul gave us an example. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than them all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Brothers and sisters, we are to labor. Galatians says, Christ Jesus... In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Faith is the conduit of grace, but faith without love is dead. I heard of your faith, Paul says in Ephesians, in the Lord Jesus, but I also heard of your love for all the saints. Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, being rooted and grounded in love. We are called to love. He gave himself some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of of the Son of God, till we all become perfect men, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, but speaking the truth in love. Be kind one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ forgave you. What are the benefits of the five solas? Well, they give glory to God as the sole author of our salvation. They free us from the crushing burden of fruitful efforts to earn favor from God. They cultivate in us a, an attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving, an attitude of humility, and a, should be an attitude of grace and mercy toward others. Finally, at the crest of the hill, I know my salvation is not earned. Some describe it as 
unmerited favor. My journey up the cliff of grace tells me it's demerited favor. I'm below the lowly. The battle of the sovereignty of salvation began with Jesus and the Pharisees. It continued with Paul and the Judaizers. It continued on with Augustine and Pelagius. Luther and Erasmus. And it continues today. Over the top. And there it is. A vast ocean of blood and water being stirred by the Spirit of God, being sourced by Jesus Christ, and being dispensed by God the Father. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love which He loved us, even we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and the kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Father, we love you and only you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your gift to us of eternal life through our faith in Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord. Equip us. Give us encouragement and boldness to love one another. Give us humility and recognition of the mercy and grace in which you have extended to us. And help us to so wondrously extend it to others. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, through whom we live, that we offer up this prayer. Amen.